The pennant races are wrapping up, but we're not wrapping up what we're doing here on this show. No siree, no Sir Bob. It is another Monday with Millard. This is a Locked On MLB, Locked On Diamondbacks crossover. Let's light this candle. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to the Locked On MLB, Locked On Diamondbacks crossover. This is the show that we do every Monday. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. Who's, who is the we you're referring to? Well, that would be me. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. You can call me Sully, who's about to finish my fourth season with the Lockdown Podcast Network after podcasting for well over a decade about baseball. I've also been a television producer, a comedian, a writer, a bunch of other stuff. But that's not important right now. What's important is this guy right over here. That's Miller Thomas, who's normally the host of Lockdown Diamondbacks. But every Monday, he shows up at my front door and says, please, let's podcast. I say, okay, but only if we could be in a different room. So, Miller, tell people where you, uh, who you are and uh, where they can follow you. Yeah, I usually come to the door begging Sully to do a podcast. Follow me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account. Locked on Dimebacks on Twitter and Instagram. We're on YouTube. Locked on Dimebacks on there as well. And, of course, we're on all the podcasting platforms. There you go. Now, by the way, you can follow us at Locked on MLB Pods. On Twitter and on Instagram, I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. So we're recording this in the afternoon of the 25th of September, 2022. Full disclosure, uh, the Red Sox and Yankees haven't played yet. So Aaron Judge may have hit four home runs, for all I know. Um, It's amazing. As you you and I both grew up with the Red Sox, it's Mm -hmm. late September, Sunday night baseball, and other than the curiosity of Judge, there's zero, there's zero excitement about this game. You know that for even for me, a lifelong you know native New Englander, rooted for the Red Sox since I was a kid, lived in New York, and just a year removed from these two playing a wild card game. There's just this game. Other than Judge, is just flat as a pancake and I admit the game on Saturday I'm convinced every Yankee fan wanted the Red Sox to tie the game in the ninth so Judge could have one more at bat yeah sadly there's no intrigue in this game it's more on the Red Sox for just falling apart in the second half with injuries and a whole bunch of poor play so really if you're gonna watch this game it is for Judge and that home run record chase that he's going after Personally, for me, I'm also in a fantasy matchup where I have Nestor Cortez going against the Boston Red Sox. I'm recording this before the game, so I need a big Nestor Cortez start to secure my spot in the championship finale. But that's just a little personal vendetta for me. But overall, not a lot of intrigue in this game. You're watching it. They're going to cut on Emblem. Would be network, uh, even sports that are every time Aaron Judge is up at the plate because right now, this is you know, Sully. I mean, maybe you want to do like a quick ranking, but like this is like one of the most interesting narratives that baseball has had since like what 2010, basically. When you think of like maybe the Astro scandal of the Otani spectacle, like Judge's home run chase for 61 right now, like right at the top of the biggest storylines that baseball's had over the last 10 plus years. Well, I'll tell you, uh, by the way, it's amazing that as recently as July 16th, the Red Sox were a wild card team. It just seems like that seems like a, a decade ago. Um, I think it's been a wonderful thing for baseball. I'm going to point something out. I was listening to the Guardians Rangers game because it, it was a potential clinching game, and, they, and the Guardians did indeed clinch it. We'll get to that in just a little bit. But uh, Tom Hamilton, the announcer, the wonderful announcer for the Cleveland Guardians, uh, reminded us that we weren't even sure we were going to have a season this year. 
There was that lockout. Remember, that was this year. It seems like a long time ago. But remember, it was that was this damn year that we weren't sure. Are we? Gonna, is it going to be eighty-two games, guys? Or do we have to wait till June? What's going to happen? And the fact that we got a full season and a fun season, not a great season. A great season is one where you got pennant races going right down to the wire, and you know, and total anarchy. But mm-hmm. The gift of having a season with so many great individual moments, so many great highlights, and to come down the stretch where we're watching games, waiting for home run 62, and waiting for home run 700, that you had the dual home run stories going on in September, and it looks like they're both going to come to fruition. Pujols, you know, I toyed with the idea of going to the game at Dodger Stadium on Friday, and I decided to... Um, have dinner with my sons and I made the horrible decision of being a decent father but Mm. uh, because I could have seen home run number 700 for Albert Pools but we did watch a great mystery science theater film Gamera but that's neither here nor there but we that's been the thing that's given the baseball juice in September is the excitement of seeing you know Pujols' home run incredibly unlikely home run chase and now uh, having um, the uh, the judge chase going on. And there's a little bit of pressure going on here because the Yankees are going on the road tomorrow. And you know Yankee fans want them to at least tie Maris and maybe get both of them at home. And he hasn't homered in each game against Boston. And, and that that adds a little fun and, and juice to the series. And, and you know, frankly... Uh, it's what's the cool if, if you're not going to have great pennant races down the stretch and we really don't this year um then individual races like this are just tremendous yeah and i guess we'll still look at the phillies versus brewers versus padres in the nl wild card race because i mean the right. brewers are basically in game and a half back of the third spot for like what a month and a half now it feels like they just can never get yeah. any closer and for the phillies i mean we talk about the mariners breaking their playoff you know curse we know the Phillies have the longest playoff, you know, active longest playoff, you know, not going to the playoff the, streak in the National League right now. In the National League, yes, the Mariners are yeah, the American League right now. Yeah, so they want to make the postseason too. So them collapsing at the end of the season, if, you know, the last final games of the year, if they just somehow miss the postseason, that would be really sad for Phillies fans. But this judge home run streak is probably the best narrative we have going at the end of the year. But I was doing the research and just looking through the, all the all, all the all-time stats after the Albert Pujols home run, and I didn't even realize, or I probably realized at the time, but I forgot. Miguel Cabrera also got three thousandth hit this season. He hit that back mm-hmm. in April. Like that's a milestone moment that I think we just kind of forgot about this year because it didn't happen at the end of the year. We didn't have the build-up throughout the year like Albert Pujols, where he was twenty-plus home runs away. Can a a guy at age forty-two crack that many home runs and get to seven hundred? Such an exclusive club. But Miguel Cabrera got his three thousandth hit earlier this year, and I think it's kind of like a record that just um, a milestone that he got that just kind of gone maybe not as much as claim as we should have given it, considering he's Miguel Cabrera's all-time leader. And then Albert Pujols, I mean, also when you look at his all-time hits, he's like almost 3,500 hits as well. He's like top yeah. seven all-time hits. So I think we also forget that when you look at his all-time stats, Albert Pujols. Yes, about the home run, but also I think you forget how much of a hit machine he was back in St. Louis. Well, there are, I'm going to list all the players who have hit 700 major league home runs with 3,000 major league hits. Hank okay. Aaron. Albert Pujols. That's it. 
That's it. I thought I lost you for a second. Nope, nope. That's it. No, I tricked you. I tricked you. I was <laughs> gonna put the little, I was gonna put the little refresher wheel on it. I was no, that's it. My Wi-Fi's been acting up, so I was like, "Oh, did I lose?" No, no. Bonds didn't get to three thousand hits. Now, now times on base, Bonds probably because he got walked so often. Uh, Babe Ruth didn't get to three thousand hits, probably because he was a pitcher for the first bunch of years of his career. But um, you know, yeah, I mean, Cabrera is a Hall of Fame. It, it, it's great that. Pujols made this, uh, got his 700th home run as a Cardinal. Just like it's great that Cabrera was able to do this as a Tiger. You know, like he, like he didn't, we didn't have to see, like when Jim Tomei hit his 600th home run, I honestly don't remember if he was a twin White Sox or Oriole because Jim Tomei bounced around so much at the end of his career. Like Steve Carlton got his 3,000th strikeout as a Giant. I think I was a giant longer than Steve Carlton was a giant. Uh, like um, uh, Gaylord Perry got his 300th win with the Seattle Mariners. Randy Johnson got his 300th win with the Giants. There's so many times when you have a, a player get a huge milestone with a team you don't associate him with. You know, Dave Winfield got his 3,000th hit with the Twins. Uh, I'm glad that Miguel Cabrera had that great moment with the Tigers and and Pujols didn't do it with the Angels or the Dodgers. Um, how ironic he did it in Los Angeles, the market that he was at for so many years. Well, he yeah. did it, but did it did it as a Cardinal. And you know, the greatest offensive Cardinal of all time is Stan Musial. The only reason it's not Albert Pujols is because Pujols spent a decade in Anaheim. Uh, but it's a uh, he's an all time great. Cabrera's an all time great. And, you know, this is all, you know, the, you look at some of the stuff that happened through the year. I mean, the, the other thing to look at is, you know, how can Otani continue to build his case for both the Cy Young and the MVP? Uh, you know, I mean, and Judge is also chasing a triple crown, bringing up Miguel Cabrera, who's the last person to get the triple crown. I know we're not supposed to care about the triple crown anymore, but I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. And so uh, I, there's some there, there are individual stats that we can look for going down the stretch. I think are a lot of fun. I still care about the triple crown. I still care about ribbies and average, even though the modern analytics don't really value those stats. I still care, still care a lot about them. I think the triple crown is pretty cool, but did you see that video? Albert Pools hit his 700 home run. Did you see the video of Dave Roberts like cheering? And then he had to stop himself because he had to remember, Oh wait, I'm the manager in the middle of a game, the opposing player on the other team. Let me not celebrate too hard uh, for my the Dodgers team. have clinched. The Dodgers <laughs> are going to win 110 games. You can afford, it's like someone was, uh, when, uh, uh, Pujols hit a big home run against Pittsburgh. And there were some people in the, and the people in Pittsburgh were applauding Albert Pujols. And some people are like, you know, real fans don't cheer for the other team. First of all, Pirate fans just want to cheer for something because God knows they're not going to cheer for anything on the field. But also, heaven forbid you salute someone who did a great job. You know, God for you. I have no problem. If Dave Roberts wanted to give a standing ovation to him, good. Good. Are the Dodgers in a tight pennant race right now that I'm unaware of? It's nonsense. Yeah, it was probably... two more games. It's the highest win total in Dodger history. I think they're okay applauding Albert Pujols. Yeah, I didn't really have any on Friday watching the D-back. So they had the 
home run come across the D-backs TV. And we all, of course, cheered. Because without the D-backs, I don't know if you know this, Sully. Albert Pujols' first home run of his career came against Arizona. So if he doesn't first home run, maybe he doesn't hit the 700th home run, Sully. So without the D-backs, we might not see greatness. Uh, bring, mm. Was it Armando Reynoso who let up the home run? That's uh, a good I question. I didn't get I didn't get that far in the research, unfortunately. Okay. Well, look at you know the I, I remember the first year the rule of seven for me, which is you really have your first concrete sports memories when you're about seven years old. When I was seven, mm. it was 19, 1979. and Carl Yastrzemski was trying to become the first American leaguer with three thousand hits and 400 home runs. And he got the 400th home run earlier that year off of Mike Morgan of the A's. And then he got to like 2,999 hits and kind of stalled. He went on a slump. And seven-year-old Sully was following every game. They were, they were broadcasting the games on TV because Yaz was so beloved. They just they, they didn't always broadcast every game back then. But they did. It was like a Yaz watch. And I was watching and watching. And they had this homestand where we went on the slump. All I needed was one more damn hit. And they were about to go on a road trip. And at one point, uh, they were playing the Yankees in 79. And at one point, I went to the bathroom in our house in Weston, Massachusetts. And I, you know, seven-year-old Sully did his business in there. And I came back to the living room. And my father was looking at me, shaking his head and said, you missed it. No. After all those games I was following, I took a crap. And I didn't think to take a crap when the Yankees were at bat. Because who gives a darn about Lou Pinella or Reggie Jackson? I went to the bathroom where the Red Sox were coming up. And I came back and I missed his 3,000th hit. Yeah, it's and probably the I easiest sport. I haven't like- got over it. It's like the easiest sport to like not miss the action too, because you know when the guy's coming up to the plate, you know when it has to be, has to be in the inning, has to be when he comes up to the plate. It's not like football where it could happen at any moment. So that's on you. I was seven. I was seven, and I didn't have one of these. I could have brought it. I could have brought it to the bathroom and watched it. Now I could have, you know, but you know, they didn't have iPads when you were seven, Sully. No, they didn't have iPads when I was seven. They didn't have cable. So iPod Touch, but. I think though, the it's everyone is going to Yankee Stadium today. It is just an absolute surefire bet that they are all there to see Aaron Judge. And guess what? If you're making bets, go to BetOnline.net. It's your number one source for football betting info this season. Has football started yet? Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting, and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball. There are other sports besides baseball? MMA, boxing, oh, golf. Uh, Not miniature. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. Hey, uh, let's talk about something. I thought we were going to have a spectacular down-the-stretch race in the Central when just before Labor Day, the Twins caught Cleveland dead even, and Chicago was like only, I think, one or two games back in the loss column. And I was like, here we go. Here we go. Three teams, one playoff spot, and I personally didn't have a dog in the fight. 
I like Francona in Cleveland. I love so many of the players mm-hmm. on the White Sox. And I love I want the Twins to eventually win a World Series. So we finally have a coda to they were about to be contracted and now they have a World Series title. And I thought we we're gonna have a really cool down the stretch. And do you know who did not want that? Cleveland. And do you know what they did? They won 18 they- out of 21 games. They went 18 and three down the stretch, including pummeling Minnesota and Chicago, and they clinched this. Uh, they clinched Sunday afternoon um, in a game against Texas. By the way, Texas were wearing their throwback uniforms from the 70s and 80s that looked chef's kiss. But the Guardians, who are younger than every single AAA team, has gone. That's 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 not a joke. There's no AAA team that has a younger average roster age than the current Cleveland Guardians. The average age on the Guardians is 26. Average. Wow. Young team. You know, still getting carded. And they clinched. That was dead even 21 days ago. They clinched with eight games to spare. They have a whole week to rest who they need to rest, line everything up the way they need to line it up. And I, I just think, it, and and there's going to be, you know, with the Yankees have all, but they've clinched a playoff spot. They have an eight-game lead over Toronto right now. But obviously, they're going to win. You know, their magic number is three. It could be as low as two if they win tonight. Um, and so the Yankees have it, have it wrapped up. And so you're basically going to see, uh, Toronto, Tampa Bay, and Seattle, who are all within just two games of each other, wrestling to see who gets what spot. And Cleveland can just, you know, they're on a seven-game winning streak. And what do I say? When's the wrong time to win seven straight games? Never. 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 So with they have a pesky lineup, a bunch of kids who are like, hey, we're not even supposed to be here. We're supposed to be in the minor leagues. We're supposed to have a curfew. And, you know, and they're going to go in if, you know, if they split their final games, they'll be a 90-win team. So it isn't even like, oh, man, what an embarrassment. It's an 85-win division winner. No, they're probably going to have a better record than the wild card teams. So what are your thoughts? I mean, this Cleveland team, you couldn't ask for a better. This is Colorado Rockies in 2007-esque where they just put the aft thrusters on and ran away. Yeah, first thought. If me and you went to the bar, Sully, I think you would still get carded before I did. That's my first thought. Second I thought. I look young. I look young. Yeah, better than young, Sully. You it's look like a chew. nice fine it's, wine. It's the blue chew. Oh, okay. That's right. Keeping you young. I see you, Sully. But, yeah, I mean, because Where's we the still- banner? Where's the blue chew banner? Where's I our know. blue chew banner? And they hook us up with that. But because we still got these old schedules, we're still in the dinosaur age of the schedule because next season we get the new schedule. It's balanced. We play everyone in baseball pretty fairly evenly. But because we're still in the old schedule, that means at the end of the seasons, it's a lot of just playing your own divisions, playing teams that you've seen throughout this season. So for teams like the AL Central, the Cleveland Guardians, the White Sox, and the Minnesota Twins, they were all playing each other down this final month, month and a half of the season. Whoever was going to come out the division was going to be the teams that beat up on the other two this final month of the season and it was Cleveland that beat up Chicago and Minnesota 
either one of those other two teams could have been the one that emerged from this three-team race in the AL Central, but it was the Cleveland Guardians that did it, and they did it on the backs of some of their pitchers. Tristan McKenzie and Shane Bieber look like two frontline starting horses for this rotation down the stretch. Guys like Jose Ramirez have been phenomenal all year. Andre Jimenez has had a career year. Steven Kwan, the rookie, has been phenomenal all season as well. Do you see what he did today? They have he a grand the, slam. Today, the grand, he went three for five with five runs batted in, and his grand slam that hit in the eighth inning basically iced the division. And baller uh, and, all season. Yeah, and it just so many of these guys are like, yeah, none of them are going to be in the MVP conversation. I mean, I mean, Ramirez is going to Ramirez will be get like top ten. He'll get, yeah. He'll get votes, but like no one's, you know, he slowed down a little bit. He, he his no first half, he was, but like. You know, Ahmed Rosario has picked up the pace, you mm-hmm. know, and, and they can just, as, as I've said before, they could, if, if Cleveland wins the, the wildcard series against Toronto, Seattle, or uh, Tampa, then they will, they would get the Yankees. Mm. This is exactly the type of team that would give the Yankees fits because the main thing to beat the Yankees because we've seen their bullpen's not been great down the stretch. You know, the, the, it was fantastic the first half of the season. It's not been great the second half of the season. We know that if you can somehow pitch around Judge, you could beat this, you know, you could beat this lineup. Cleveland's pitching could shut down the Yankees lineup except for Judge. And mm-hmm. it becomes a battle of the bullpen, I give it to Cleveland every single time. And I'm not saying Cleveland's better than the Yankees. But I'm saying they could beat him three times out of five if Bieber or Tristan McKenzie throws a great game. We know Cole is a talented pitcher who's prone to letting up the, uh, you know, Stacey Gatsoulias said the, the you know, a Cole start is he's pitched, he was really great except for that one inning, you know. Yeah. And so, and, you know, the Yankees have righted their ship, but they've also been pummeling the Pirates and the Red Sox and, and some other teams that may be uh, not exactly the hardest competition at this point. Um, I would be terror. I, I don't know if I'd pick Cleveland over Houston in a short series. I still think Houston is probably the team to beat. But man, this Cleveland team could go far for a team whose average age is nine. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if there's a team more out there than the Yankees where if one player goes down, I feel totally different about the team. And that's how it is with Aaron Judge and the Yankees because Judge like tweaks his ankle and he has to miss a couple games. I, that series feels completely different if this is the Yankees team where compromise Aaron Judge because after Garrett Cole, like you can make the argument the the Cleveland Guardians have a better rotation than the Yankees. Oh, you they do. Argue, yeah, you can make the argument after Judge. It's a very comparable lineup. Like Rizzo's had a great season, but you could match Rizzo with guys like. Andre Jimenez or Stephen Kwan that we just talked about. So outside the top studs, these teams are actually pretty comparable. It's not like this Yankees team is running away with talent. They've had historical seasons from guys like Aaron Judge, and you got one of the best pitchers in baseball like Garrett Cole. So they got some really pillars on that team. But outside the studs in that Yankees lineup and rotation, it's not like I feel like they're just ridden with depth and just amazing talent like the L.A. Dodgers or the Houston Astros or something like that. So one injury could change the series, and the Cleveland Guardians are going to be a team that has the talent and probably uh, the the complementary players to also match up with the Yankees. If Quan is hitting and Ramirez is hitting and their bullpen holds up, I think the Guardians can go far. As for the Yankees, it's strange. With all this, they're, they're the two biggest – the biggest pieces are you need Stanton and Rizzo hitting. 
because yeah. if they're hitting and protecting Judge, if you're leaning on Judge the whole time, that's what happened to them in July and August when nothing was going right. They've been getting contributions from other people, like Glaber Torres has been playing very well recently. They got big hits from uh, you know the you know Giancarlo Stanton, especially the walk off grand slam the other day, and they got big uh, big home run from Rizzo the other day. And uh, Harrison Bader, they finally found him in the witness protection program and put him in. And he's already been an improvement over Hicks in the outfield. So the Yankees can do well if those complementary players are doing well. If they face Cleveland and Cleveland's pitching shuts down those other players, it almost doesn't matter what Judge does. And so it's it's Judge's supporting cast has all the pressure in the world on them. So we'll see what happens yeah, one supporting cast member we might have to worry about because I saw a report, I think, today on Twitter. Sounds like they might DFA just a role, just Chapman, just might have, might just let him go right before the postseason starts and keep him off the roster because it's not like he's been very good for the Yankees. And it's probably the biggest headache Yankees fans have had over the last couple of years. So I just thought that was an interesting development, the, the rise and fall of Chapman over the years in New York. I've never been a fan. Uh, wow. By the way, well, I mean, by the yeah, way, I guess. Uh, by the way uh, just your favorite player in baseball, uh, Mike Trout uh, got on base four times today. Hit his thirty seventh home run. He missed like two months, didn't he? He still he ended did. up with thirty. He still ended up with thirty seven home runs. It's crazy. And, you know, he missed all that time. He still has seventy seven runs batted in. He's not going to get. He'll he may get ninety runs batted in and forty home runs and miss that giant chunk of time. His OPS is is above nine eight. You know, but you know, if he, if Chow played the full season, if Chow played the full season, he might have had like 45 home runs and like 120 RBIs. And let me say this real quick for the people in the back who think I'm a Mike Trout hater. I was talking about my fantasy team earlier. If I make it to the championship, another reason is going to be because of Mike Trout. He's on my fantasy team. I I drafted him in the first round. I wanted Mike Trout at the back end of my draft because I know how good of a talent he is. He's just not the GOAT. He's not the greatest player of all time like some people try to tell me since the modern era, since Jackie Robinson came into baseball. Yes, Mike Trout, all-time talent, but is he the GOAT? No, because you've got to have more than one playoff career if you're the GOAT. That's the end of my Mike Trout rant. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole. Thank you. But it's very brave of you to admit that Mike Trout was a good player. Yeah. Hot take. He's a board line a hot take. Yeah. Hey, um, let's just talk about this. It looks it, LaRusa is not coming back this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's we'll probably, probably, yeah, probably I not. Know, I, I, probably not next year. I mean, he's he when you leave for health reasons and you're yeah, his 80. age, um, you know, I, I mean, I thought it was bizarre that he came back anyway. Um, but you know, and look at, I wish the man well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't wish ill upon anybody. Well, there's some people mm-hmm. I wish ill upon, but Tony LaRusso is not one of them. And okay. he's obviously a hall of famer, obviously an all-time great manager. And he already is a hall of famer and he tacked on one more division title to his uh, resume. And I wonder if they throw scribble that onto his plaque that's already hanging in, in Cooperstown right now. Um, there are some other, there's other managerial news. Uh, Don Mattingly, uh, who my father used to relentlessly mock uh, when he was the manager of the Dodgers. I'll never forget, um, my dad, may he rest in peace, would watch every single Giants game. And it was in 2014, and the Giants, the year the Giants went on to win the World Series, but the Dodgers actually won the division that year. The Giants were a wildcard team. And my dad was talking very confidently about the Giants' chances in the postseason. 
and said, well, look out for the Dodgers, Dad. Look out for the Dodgers. They're, they're, uh, they look really great. And my dad said, the thing you have to remember about the Dodgers is they're managed by an idiot. Wow. And he was referring to Don Mattingly. <laughs> well, and then when, when they got eliminated in the division series, and then the, you know, the Giants had a, a clear lane to go to the World Series, my father said, remember, they're managed by an idiot. I said, okay, Poppy, it's uh, – Get some Don Mattingly love. Well, un- unbelievably, he was a manager for seven years with the Marlins. He was there mm. for seven years. And they went to the playoffs in the truncated season, and they won a playoff round. Remember, they beat the Cubs. They actually got to the division series. Um, but there's going to be a big old opening in Miami. Um, there's no way that Phil Nevin is the long-term solution in for the uh, for the Angels. Um, it looks like the White Sox are going to have an opening, but I think they should just keep Miguel Cairo there. You know, Miguel Cairo's already there. He already knows the team. He's already he's had a dry run of it. Um, I, I think he's exactly the kind of manager that should they should have there. And then there's some teams with interim manager situations. The Phillies and Blue Jays may both be going to the playoffs, so that may secure things for managerial situation there. Um, the Rangers have uh, Tony Beasley who is a, you know, a lifer in their organization. And it's good that he gets to put major league manager on his resume, but he'll probably have to, you know, fight for his job there. And I actually, you know, I think that, you know, who knows what will happen to Aaron Boone if the Yankees don't get to the World Series. And whenever you have older managers like Dusty, like Buck Showalter, like Bob Melvin, you kind of have to have your antenna up because they may just wind up saying, hey, I want to spend some time with my grandkids. And I think that when the Twins signed Carlos Correa, their intentions was not to have a losing season. So I think Rocco Baldelli is on a huge hot seat. And inevitably, there's going to be some manager who wasn't their fault, but they'll, they have to throw a bone to the fans. And, and like, you know, the, in Pittsburgh or in Baltimore, you, or in Baltimore, you're going to see, you know, they're, they're contending. So, but like, you know, who knows? But what are your thoughts on some of these managerial openings? And does Joe Madden fit in any of them? Yeah, a lot of a lot of thoughts on these managerial openings. It's been a weird season for managers across baseball. I'll first start with the Twins manager, I guess, Rocco Baldelli. I'll come into his defense. I don't think he should be on the hot seat because even though the Twins kind of faltered down the stretch, I still contend if you look at this team's talent on paper, it's not a very good roster. So the fact that this team was still in it as a wild card team to the final month of the season, I think this team this team is at least moving in the right direction, and I wouldn't fire Rocco Baldelli. I'll move on to Tony La Russa. I don't think it's a surprise that this hasn't worked out. He was old when they hired him, and now he has to step away for health reasons because he's old. That's what happens when you're old. You have health reasons, so wishing the best for Tony LaRusso. Trust but- me. Trust me. It's what happens. No, you're you're a young stallion, uh, Sully, so I, won't, I, I don't want to hear that. But for Tony LaRusso, I mean, it was a weird fit when he was hired. It felt like baseball passed him at the time of his hiring because, like we keep saying, old he was old so i think they need to get a younger guy in there maybe you stay with the miguel cairo i just think you need someone that could connect and relate to those players because i just felt like you're never going to be on the same page with the tony la Russa and the chicago white Sox team which was one of the younger in baseball when he was hired so i don't like that um i didn't like that pairing at the time so hopefully they can move on and get an upgrade there don mattingly i feel like it's been a weird situation in miami because if he got fired um it would be justifiable because I mean, back-to-back sub-700 
70 seasons the last couple of years. The Marlins have been terrible the seven years under Don Mattingly, but I think he should have been fired probably right after they traded their entire outfield away in Yelich, Ozuna, and Stan because those teams were scuffling when they had talent, when they still had the great Jose Fernandez on those teams as well with those three MVP candidates. That's when those teams probably should have went to the postseason. They were really disappointing a lot of those years, so that's probably when you should have fired Don Mattingly and just rebuilt and restarted that whole um, franchise. So now you're kind of doing it now. It's probably a little little uh too little too late because i don't think if you bring a new manager in there you're gonna get different results at least anytime soon because yes you have talent in that rotation but that lineup is bad like to come to the defense of don mattingly like it's not like he was gonna make the postseason the last couple years yeah i think i got a bit on my mouth now i'm talking so much that that team hasn't been very good uh in terms of talent roster construction so kim has to go in the in the offseason add some talent to that team because I like that rotation. I like some of the pieces in that bullpen, but that line. Yeah, they're going to have the Cy Young Award winner with Alcantara. You know, they have good pitchers on that team. Yeah, he should be the runaway Cy Young Award winner. Unanimous. Unanimous. Not not even, I mean, there's there's no question he should win the Cy Young Award. Yeah, the real question is, should Zach Allen finish runner-up because he had that scoreless streak, one of the longest of all time, so Zach Allen should be number two. And then my final point of the managers before I wrap up this long soliloquy I have over here, it just, I feel bad for the Blue Jays manager, Charlie Montoya, for getting fired midseason because I felt like like that was a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction. I mean, I mm-hmm. guess the new interim manager it does have a betting winning percentage than Montoya, but Montoya was the manager of the year candidate last year. I felt like he shouldn't have been fired midway through the season. I felt like that happened too quickly. The Rangers manager, Chris Woodward, I didn't understand him getting fired because I felt like this was a three-year plan for the Rangers. Felt like right. he came into this year trying to add pieces, just establish the foundation, and then go in the next couple of off-seasons and still build to this team. I didn't think you were trying to win now, right now, championship or bust, but I guess it was for the Rangers. So I didn't understand them firing their manager. And then on the Angels, Joe Madden to tie it all together. His firing was also justifiable because they were started hot, then went on like what that 17-game losing streak. They looked yeah, it was terrible. Disastrous. And now he's doing this whole PR campaign where he's – I mean, I probably agree with him a little bit about how it might have been the front office and the pushing of the analytics onto him and how they just never went out there and got him a rotation. I still feel like Joe Madden has a lot of cachet in baseball. He's still considered probably a genius. He still led that Rays team to great heights, broke the curse for the Chicago Cubs. So I think he's going to find a team pretty easily because I still think Joe Madden is probably considered a genius in baseball circles. I concede my time. Um, I wonder about like managers like who have had success, but also saw their teams trade everyone around them. Like Dave Martinez managed the Nationals to the to a World Series title in 2019, and they're going to lose 100 games this year. And for someone like him, it might be a situation similar to what happened with Bob Melvin, who said, like, "I don't want to sit through another rebuild. I don't want to go. I don't want to go through the rebuild. I have. I could have value as a manager for a team that could win now." Your buddy, uh, Tori Lavolo, who managed the Diamondbacks to the playoffs, mm-hmm. uh, very good baseball mind, very good manager. Manager Just, of the year that year. Yeah. I mean, the, maybe he sticks around because the Diamondbacks are showing signs of improvement and showing signs like they're not, you know, they're not a hundred loss team this year. There is, you and I have talked about this, that there's, you know, they're going to, they're going to win. You know they're they're going to be like uh, under ninety losses this year. So yeah. I mean it's they're they're they've made improvements. So maybe Lavolo wants to be there for when they you know when they turn the corner. But Martinez is one that I find interesting because he was one of uh, uh, Joe Madden's lieutenants in Tampa, and then 
when Madden left, he took with him to Chicago and then was a highly sought after managerial candidate, went to Washington. They won the World Series under him. So he's clearly, you know, he's clearly a good baseball mind. Mm -hmm. And for a team like the Angels that could use someone like, you know, uh, I think a team like the Angels needs better pitching and they need a veteran hand. Um, He's someone I would really would consider. Here, here's the question. Like, I keep thinking about where Joe Madden should land. And, of course, line up your drinks, everyone. Bruce Bochy's lieutenants deserve a job. Uh, Roberto Kelly, Hensley Mullins. I have someone who writes every time I bring up Bruce Bochy's lieutenants, they do a shot. Okay. Um, so that's what that's about, for those of you who are new to the show. Um, I still think the best place for Joe Madden to land is, uh, is Minnesota. Mm. I think Minnesota has some talent there. They have, they, you know, they could spend some money there and you put him in there. It sends a message to the team that we're trying to win right now. Uh, I think that'd be an interesting fit. Um, And I think that he would be, he would be an interesting fit for that team, which I think is closer to contending than, you know, the people. Poor Mike Schilt won the manager of the year in 2019 had the Cardinals on a massive winning streak to push him into the playoffs last year, then got fired, and his name isn't even coming up. No. The disrespect manager. Yeah, for Joe Madden, um, I think it would be kind of interesting if he went back to the American League East and maybe he went to Toronto and and managed the Blue Jays with all that talent. Or, like you said, if the Yankees don't make it to the World Series and they let go of Aaron Boone, maybe Joe Madden to New York, a big market team. You break the course, uh, break the curse with the Yankees after doing it with the Cubs. You're, I mean, he's already a made man, but you could just go to another level of legend status if you're Joe Madden and you do it in Chicago and New York. That's true. Well, you're going to take it to a new level of legend status by doing this every Monday with me. Hey, Miller, tell people where they can listen to your terrific show. Hey, you can listen to me locked on Diamondbacks of the show. Follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account. Follow the show account locked on Diamondbacks. We're on YouTube, locked on Diamondbacks on YouTube, and we're on all your podcasting platforms. And we are available at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. And I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. We're on YouTube. And uh, subscribe to Lockdown MLB on YouTube because I've been doing a lot of live streaming. And so if you want to hop on and maybe throw something in the chat, uh, I'll answer questions you throw in the chat. You know, I'm trying to trying to fill six or seven of these a week so I can use your hand. And, and hey, um, hey, if you have anything you want me to talk about, uh, especially in the offseason, which is not that far from now, uh, send it to my send it to my personal account right there at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Uh, I check that a hell of a lot more frequently than I check uh, my Instagram. But hey, talking about the Guardians, the baby Guardians who are could be dangerous this October. Judge and Pujols telling us why we love the game. And who's going to be managing the teams next year? This has been the Locked On MLB, Locked On Diamondbacks crossover. I'm Paul Francis Sullivan. You call me Sully. That's Miller Thomas. And we're going to fist bump this for another week. Boom.